receive from you what you want to give to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. Yeah, go ahead and collect that stuff. Glad you guys are here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. And uh, we're continuing to talk about how to be fruitful people or how to have fruitful lives. We've been meditating for this pretty much this whole summer. Um, everyone says amen to that. Almost this whole summer we've just been digging into the story of the farmer sowing seed in the ground. Jesus told a story of a farmer that took seed and, and, and threw it on the ground and it landed on four different soils, one hard soil, one rocky, one thorny, one good soil. And uh, Jesus is teaching us how to receive the kingdom of God, how to receive God's promises, His blessings, how to receive God's will and actually see God's will done in our lives. And of course what Jesus was showing us is that the Word of God comes to us like a seed and it takes our hearts to receive that Word and actually believe it, hold on to it for it to bear fruit. And so uh, it's not just, well, you know, if God wants to do something, He'll do it. Or if it, well, if it's God's will, it'll just happen. That kind of passive Christianity that's not even in the Bible at all. Jesus is teaching us the opposite. He's teaching us how to see God's will done in our life. And He's showing us why many people don't receive what God has for them. He says some people are hard soil. They keep coming to church, but they're not receiving the Word. They're coming to church, but they're not hearing the Word and believing it. Some people are like rocky soil. They hear the Word and they're like, yay! But when, when trial comes, delay, trials, hardships, anything like that, they get mad at God, they get mad at other people, they blame, they get offended, they get discouraged, they give up. And they don't hold on to the Word like the soil holds on to a seed. And the third soil, of course, the thorny soil is the people who they get choked out. Even they start growing in the Lord, but busyness, distractions, deceitfulness of wealth, greed, covetedness, all that kind of stuff chokes out. They don't have time for the Word. They don't have space in their heart for the Word. They don't have affection for God. They're not seeking first the kingdom. And so it chokes out what God wants to do in their life. And they produce no fruit. Jesus said that. They don't bear any fruit. They don't see what God wants to do in their life. They don't see it done. They keep hearing the Bible. They keep coming to church, but they're not seeing what God wants to do in their life happen. And then they just blame God. Make up a theology based on their lack of experience, right? But only one of those soils, the fourth soil, the good soil, is the person that receives the Word of God with faith, believes it, and holds on to it. And that's what the Lord's been teaching us all summer, right? Have you been learning? Man, i got to hold on to this thing. Man, the enemy's trying to distract me. This world's trying to distract me. There's hardships, right? That's why we call it the faith. Right? Not the feelings. Like last week we talked about we walk by faith, not by feelings. We're not always going to feel it. We're not always going to see the results right away. We walk by faith. There's a delay a lot of times. We say, no, I'm going to believe what God said and not what, just what I see. I'm not going to base my faith on my past or my experience. No, I'm going to base it on what the Word says. Amen? That's what we're learning, right? To stand on the Word. All right, well, we're going to... Same, same series, but we're going to shift gears a little bit here. In Matthew, oh, it's actually not Matthew 10, sorry, back up to Matthew 9, to verse 935. Just back up a little. I'm totally like that guy who's trying to tell you where to go. Well, oh, turn right, I mean left, I mean, oh, no, right here. <laughs> no, back up, back up, I missed it. It's that house. I'm totally that person, aren't I, when it comes to preaching. Oh, not 10, I meant 9. <laughs> All right, 935, Matthew 935. 
Jesus, it's talking about Jesus, says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Pause. What's going on right now? Jesus is doing what he always does. He's preaching, right? Teaching and healing. This is what he does all the time. Why is he teaching the, God, the word of God and preaching to people? Because that's what builds people's faith up to receive from him, right? Like a sower sows the seed. Jesus didn't come and just like wiggled his nose and people would get changed. No, he said, I'm here to bring you the kingdom. I'm here to do God's will or bring, you know, show you how you can see God's will done in your life. And then he starts talking, right? He starts talking. He starts talking about how good God is, how much God loves people, how, how all the promises of God in the Bible. And he's teaching them about the kingdom. What did he say? Repent. Change your life. Why? Because the kingdom has come. Right? God's kingdom, what He wants to do in your life, is breaking in. It's here right now. He wants to do this stuff in your life. So He's teaching, He's preaching, and He's building people's faith up. He's sowing seed into their heart. And then what does He do? He heals them. He casts out demons. Why? Because He's demonstrating to them that the gospel isn't just a story. It isn't just a, a, um, an idea, right? It's not a philosophy. This is reality. Amen? Jesus was showing them that God really is the healer. God really is the forgiver of sins. God really does love you. It wasn't like Jesus came to earth and said, It's okay, I know you guys are really struggling, but you know, God's just, He cares about you. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? I know you're going to just stay poor, going to stay struggling, but He cares about you. I mean, it's nice and encouraging, isn't it? Well, come on, dude, I need to eat, right? Well, what did Jesus do? He preached the gospel to the... Poor, right? And he healed sick people, opened the eyes of the blind. He demonstrated that the kingdom really had come. The king had come. The kingdom was here. He was here to heal people and to bless them and to save them and to forgive them and bring them back to the Father. And we can go on and on, right? So he's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing. Notice it says every sickness, every disease, every sickness, every disease. There wasn't one thing he couldn't deal with. And there wasn't one person that he ever turned away. You never read anywhere in the Gospels where somebody came to Jesus and he was like, it's not my timing. Or, that one's just really difficult. That one's complicated. Oh, but didn't Jesus say, some of these don't come out by, except by prayer and fasting. Um, have you ever read that story? Because he didn't pray and fast in that story. Right? He said, get out. The boy was having an epileptic seizure because of a demon. He told the demon to get out. And then his disciples said, well, how come we can't do, how come we couldn't do that? He said, oh, you don't have enough faith. That's <laughs> what he said. He said, if you believed in your heart that what you said would happen, it would happen. Not, not new age kind of thing. Believing in Jesus and his word, right? So he said, prayer and fasting. He didn't pray and fast right then. No, he prayed and fasted before. <laughs> Right? Jesus never came up against something where he couldn't handle it. When people came to him, you know, in Luke chapter 6, it says everyone uh, that touched him was healed. Because power was coming out from him. He never ran out. 
Remember when he multiplied loaves and fishes? He barely had enough. I mean, everyone just had a little taste. It was like kind of like appetizers, right? Now, wait a minute. That's not how the story went. How many leftovers? He started with five pieces of bread and a couple fish. And how many leftovers did he have with the 5,000 men plus women and children? Twelve basketfuls. Leftovers. Did you ever run out? Never. Hey, sorry, Bob. I'm out of power. Dude, it's not working. It's not working. No, come on, right? He never ran out. There's always, a, that's because in the kingdom there's never lack and there's never, and there's always more than enough. There's always leftovers in the kingdom. That's why Jesus multiplied, made sure there was leftovers. That's why every person that touched Jesus, and what happens when they were touching him, they were reaching out with what? Faith and expectation, right? His power, their faith and expectation that he would do what he said, that he was able and that he was willing. Remember that leper that came to Jesus? If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. So he reached out his hand and touched him, right? So he's doing all this ministry. I mean, man, we like Jesus, right? He is just amazing. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good Savior. You're a good Lord. You're the great physician. You're even a dentist. I mean, come on. You can do whatever you want to do. You can heal. You can deliver. He's preaching the gospel to the poor, telling the poor, hey, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Your dad's your provider, right? That's a good dad. Shoot, birds don't even work. And they're blessed every day, right? This is what he's teaching people. He's trying to teach them, sow the seed into their heart. They would believe God to be their provider. This is the kind of thing that he's teaching. But he looks out and he sees a multitudes, multitudes, right? Probably, I mean, tens of thousands of people. I mean, if he's feeding 5,000 one day, that's 5,000 men plus women and children. That could, be, that could have been up to 20,000 people. So he sees multitudes, 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 and he's broken inside. That's really what it means. In his heart, he's broken. He is grieved. He's broken. His love, his compassion goes out to them. And he's like, oh, I love these people. And they're struggling. You notice that it says he sees they're weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. He's not just seeing that they're hungry or they're struggling or, or whatever. They're not just, he's not just seeing outward things. He's looking into the spiritual condition, aren't they? Isn't he? Looking into the spiritual condition and seeing that they don't have direction. They don't know how to hear God. They're like people without a shepherd. They're, with, they're like people who don't have anyone to give them the word. And here he is preaching the word and ministering to people. And yet, this is Jesus here. I mean, this is God who became a human being. And yet, in a human body, it's not like he was like living in Rome and Jerusalem all at the same time, right? Like he became a human being and was living in one time, in one place, in one, right? The infinite God, but he became word into flesh, and now he's walking around in a human body, and he looks out and he sees the need. And what does he say? Man, I need more of me. Isn't that what he said? No, not quite, but isn't that what he's thinking? He says, man, the harvest is truly plentiful. People are l- wanting to be impacted by God. They're wanting their life to be changed. Nobody walks around going, I just really, I just really want my life to be ruined. Right? I just really want to be struggling here. No, they need to repent. <laughs> right? They need to change. They need to turn their lives over to the Lord. Stop doing what they're doing. Put their trust in Jesus. Right? But nobody wants to just, I just really want to be poor and struggling. I, just, I don't want a job. You know? Some people, they want someone to provide for them, but they, they still want provision. <laughs> they need to repent. <laughs> but 
My point is, he's looking out and he's seeing, man, these people are weary, they're struggling, they're scattered, they're, they have, they're leaderless, they need someone to help them. And his answer isn't himself. His answer is, we need more of me. Jesus' vision was always for lots of him, right? Remember in John chapter 12, Jesus said, unless a seed dies and falls into the ground, unless a kernel of wheat dies, falls into the ground, which he was referring to his own death and burial. He says it remains alone. Those of you who have been in Operation Saw Lives, right? Level one, you know that Jesus doesn't want to be alone. He created the world so that he could be in relationship with you and I. We go deep into that. Change your life. But he's not just talking about relationship there, is he? Say, man, unless I die and my life is sown into the ground, and then, of course, he rose from the grave on the third day. Unless that happens, I remain alone. But what was Jesus' vision? If that seed dies and goes into the ground, it will produce what? Tons of other grain. Aren't we called Christians? Christians? Little Christ? Christ is living inside of us, right? The resurrected Christ living inside of you and I. Christ in me, the hope of glory. His spirit and my spirit are one. Right? Anyone else but me? I, that's what I read in the Bible. That's what happened when I put my trust in Jesus. I was born again. My spirit and His Spirit are one. That's what I'm walking in. And His vision was that there would be laborers. People just like Him. Doing things just like Him. Saying things just like Him. Reproducing themselves just like He was reproducing Himself. He got 12 disciples. He preached the gospel. In fact, He didn't have just 12 disciples. I should... I should correct myself on that. He had 12 primary ones who became apostles, but he had way more than 12 disciples. Tons and tons of people following him. Look, look at, uh, look at uh, Matthew 10, verse 25. Look, look what it says right here. Matthew 10, 25. It says, It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. That's the definition of a disciple. Did you know that? A disciple is one who is becoming and doing just like the master. If you're an apprentice to an electrician, you're becoming just like that electrician. If you're an apprentice to a plumber, you're becoming just like that plumber, right? If you're an apprentice to Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are becoming just like Jesus, to do just like Jesus did. The disciples always understood that. They weren't like, oh, I just believe in Him you know, for forgiveness. I'm going to go to heaven someday. They understood every believer is a disciple. Every disciple is a minister. Because every person who chooses to follow Jesus... Is saying, I am going to become just like Jesus. My vision is His vision. That I will be conformed to the image of, of the Son of God. And my vision is His vision. That I would reproduce myself like He would re is reproducing Himself. Amen? So Jesus looks out of the multitudes and says, Man, I need more of me. And He says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You know why He says pray to send out laborers? Because they're already there. He didn't say pray that there would be more laborers. We do that a lot, don't we? I find myself praying that kind of thing. Father, I pray you'd raise up more laborers. That's not what he said. That's not what he said at all. He said send out laborers. Why? Because they're already right in front of him. He's already been teaching them and preaching them and raising up the disciples. At least, at least right here in Matthew 9 and 10. There's at least 12, right? There's probably more, but he started with the 12. He started with the 12 because they were the ones who were hungry. They were the ones who were good soil. They were the ones who received the word of God and were ready to give it away. And he said, pray, pray. Why? Because the problem isn't that people out there, out in the streets, 
out in, in, the, in the workplaces, out in, in the neighborhoods, isn't that they're not ripe. Isn't that they don't want Jesus. The problem is not that people don't want to be saved and healed and delivered and live their life for Jesus, become just like Jesus. The problem is that there's a multitude of ripe harvest out there. The harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's ready. But there's not enough laborers. You see that? There's not enough people that look out and see, look into the hearts of people and see that person needs Jesus. Right? We see sinners. We see people who are making bad choices. We see people, they want to be like that. We see people who, oh, they don't really want to go to church. Oh, that's just not their thing. We see people, oh, they're just busy. That's what we see, don't we? That's not what Jesus sees. By faith, he said, lift up your eyes. See, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. Lift up your eyes. He's trying to get us to see like he sees. And he's trying to get us to love like he loves. He's trying to get us to do what he does. And what did he do? He taught and he preached and he healed, right? And he is looking for people who would do the same thing. How do I know that? Because that's what he did. And he said, pray for laborers. Pray for shepherds who would go out there and do the same thing I'm doing. Right? So in Matthew chapter 10, he then does this. He says, and when he called his 12 disciples to, to himself, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Hmm. What did he do? He just gave them the same authority that he has from the Father. He just delegated not only his authority, but in a second he's going to delegate to them his assignment and mission. He's reproducing himself in the lives of his disciples. Right? He just answered his own prayer. I like that. We should do the same thing. Pray. Because if we ask anything in Jesus' name, it will be done for us. And then answer our own prayer. I like that. He goes on and he, he names the disciples, the twelve, in verse 2, 3, and 4. And then in verse 5, he begins to give them the assignment. He says, These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was a specific instruction for that season because when Jesus was on earth, he was first to go to the, to the Jews, second to the Gentiles. Gentiles are basically anyone who's not Jewish. So that would be most of us. But after Jesus rose from the grave, he told the disciples, go to the ends of the earth, right? And even the apostle Paul, who was one of Jesus' followers after his resurrection, was sent first to the Jews and second to the Gentiles. This is always God's way. So it's not like saying like, we don't like them. How many people did Jesus minister to that were Gentiles? If you read the Gospels, he ministered to tons of people who were non-Jewish and to Samaritans. You know, right? He saw a whole city come to himself that were Samaritans. So he's not saying, you know, we don't like them. No, he's giving them specific instructions. You need to first go to the, the cities of Jerusalem because they need to receive the Gospel first. Okay? But he goes on and he gives them the specific instructions what to do in verse 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Man, that's a kind of like a big first assignment, right? I mean, what if you were like, dude, I'm just like a freshman in college, man. Like you're asking me to write like a 20-page paper. He's telling them, you have seen me do this. And you have received it yourself. Now go give it away. Right? What does he say? Preach. That just means tell people. <laughs> that doesn't mean like soapbox or anything like that. Right? That doesn't mean belligerent, disrespectful. Right? I don't know why we associate those words. Like, oh, I'm supposed to preach. That means I have a license to be rude? 
No. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> no. Gentleness, graciousness, humility, kindness. It just means go tell people, hey, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. It's here. God wants to do these things in your life. Well, do you have any proof for that? Yeah, yeah, let me heal you, right? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leopards. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. See, this is what Jesus is longing for. He's longing for a people who would partner with Him. Who would be laborers with Him. Who would be shepherds with Him. And that it wouldn't just be Him. This is why He died and rose again. Remember, He actually told His disciples, Hey, i got to go. It's actually better if I leave. Most of us don't believe that. Most of us don't believe. Most of us think, Man, it's so good that those disciples got discipled by Jesus back then. I wish I could walk with Jesus. Um... I hope you are. (laughs) He's alive, right? He is still discipling his church. He is the pastor of this church. He is the one making his own disciples. He is the one building his church. Amen? If anything, my job is to lead people to him, that they would hear his voice. Teach people to come to Jesus. Hear his voice. Just do what he says. Didn't that what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6? If you just come to me, hear my sayings, do them, your life will be like a person founded on the rock of my word. Right? That's, that's my job. Here you go. Here's how you come to Jesus. Here's sayings, and do them. He is still discipling people. He's still making disciples, and He is still wanting that He would reproduce His life in us, and that we would be Him to everyone else, in word and deed. In word, that we would tell them, hey, God loves you. He wants you to come home to Him. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants to bless you. And then to actually demonstrate it. To demonstrate it in the power of the Spirit. And you notice what I love this phrase. We say it all the time around here. It's one of our mottos, I guess. Because it captures who we are as a people. It captures the culture of this church. It captures what I believe is the lifestyle of a disciple. Freely you have received, freely give. I love that. Freely you have received. He's telling them, you've received something from me. Now I want you to give it away. And this is how the kingdom works. See, if you try to give something away that you've not received, it's either fake or hypocritical or empty. Right? You can't lead someone where you've never been. You can't reproduce something other than yourself. You know what I mean? Like when I had my kids, they look an awful lot like me. You, know, you can't like reproduce some other, like, genes, you know, <laughs> some other DNA. No, who you are, your character, it will automatically imprint, especially on kids, but on those around you. You cannot reproduce something that you don't have. You can't give away something you don't have. And so Jesus says, no, freely you have received, freely give. You've got to get the order right. If you try to give and not receive, you have nothing to give. All you have is to give away the kingdom. And so if you haven't yet received the kingdom, like, you know, if you're not... Save, you're not born again. You've got nothing to give. But how do we receive? Look, look at Matthew 13. This is what we've been talking about. How do we receive? We, we probably shouldn't talk about this part too long. But Matthew 13, verse 23 says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. See, he's not just talking, he's talking about getting things done in your own life. He's talking about answered prayer. 
He's saying, if you ask the Father anything in my name, it will be done for you. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door will be open for you. He's telling you how to, re- how to make that happen. I've had so many people tell me, well, I mean, if Jesus said that, then why doesn't it happen? Okay, let's look at Matthew 13. It doesn't happen because people don't believe his word. He said, if you'd ask, it will be done for you. So he's telling us that in verse 23, the one who, re- who bears fruit is the person who receives that promise. And holds on to it, who understands it, and then produces fruit. Notice it says 30, 60, or 100 fold. What's 100 fold? Well, 100 fold could be like 100%, basically everything you sow reproduces. But also 100 fold can also mean, and really means, abundance. It means you just brought in a huge harvest. Right? I mean, isn't this what pretty much what farmers want, right? You sow seed, you reproduce, and not only do you have enough for yourself, but you have abundance to what? What do most farmers do? They sell it, right? What do we do in the kingdom? We give it away. Abundance is always to give away. Look at what he says in verse 12 of Matthew 13. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have in abundance. That's a hundredfold. He will have in abundance. The person who will take the word of God and believe God's word and hold on to the word of God, that person will get what God wants for them. God wants to do it. God's the one trying to convince us. That's why He came to earth. That's why He's preached the gospel. He's trying to convince us. I love you. I want to do this for you. He's not the problem, right? We don't need to twist His arm. He's trying to convince us. He's saying, man, it's the person who gets that, who understands that, and who won't let anything take it away. That person will bear fruit, 30, 60, or 100 fold. But He says that person, that person will get, and get abundance. And what do we do with that abundance? We give it away. We give it away. That abundance, that hundredfold, is not for, like farmers, they sell it for us. We give it. Wasn't that what Jesus was like? Wasn't he a hundredfold? Every prayer he prayed, every person he ministered to, results, right? But what did he do? He gave it away. What he's saying is, freely you have received, freely give. If you try to give away something that you haven't received, you can't give it away. But if you have received it and you don't give it, you shut down the flow of life. In fact, giving it back into other people is sowing it back into the ground. Just like Jesus sowed his life into the ground. What you sow, you reap. Right? We've been talking about this in the area of meditating the Word of God. That you take the Word of God and you meditate on it, and you speak it out of your mouth. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. What happens? The word comes out of your mouth, goes back into your heart, comes out of your mouth, goes back into your heart, and there's an increase. It begins to multiply and increase faith on the inside of you until the harvest goes from, i got a little bit of fruit, to I've got fields full of fruit. I've got abundance. Well, it's the same way with telling other people. It's the same way with telling other people that you take what God has given you, you take what God has done in your life, and you sow it back into their life, and it comes back to you. The only way, I believe, as a people of God that we can see increase and multiplication in our own lives, but also, obviously, impacting this world around us, is when it comes into our hearts, and we believe it, and then we give it away. See, uh, well, look at, look at Luke chapter 6. Go to Luke chapter 6. We don't have time to look at all the different places where abundance is to give away. 
I kind of just gave you that principle right there. There's a lot of places in the scriptures that we'll look at probably in the future. But let me just show you a couple places where abundance is to then be sown back into other people's lives. But here in Luke chapter 6, look at verse 43 and 40, 45. Luke chapter 6. Jesus is teaching actually about hypocritical leaders and teachers. He's talking about the Pharisees who taught the Word of God, who knew the Bible, memorized it backwards and forwards, but they did not have fruit. They didn't have faith. Right? They had never received the gospel by faith and seen God do a harvest, bring a harvest in their life. No, they had a lot of information. They had a lot of rules. And so Jesus said they are the blind leading the blind. They are hypocrites. Outward form of godliness, but denying its power. This is what they, he described the Pharisees as. Okay, And in verse 43 through 45, he's basically saying, be careful, don't eat from their fruit, basically. But verse 43, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When he says, you will know a tree by its fruit. That's like one of those phrases in our culture, right? You'll know a tree by its fruit, right? You, you know what they're like by their fruit. Well, that in Matthew uh, chapter 7, he's referring to their actions. But in Luke chapter 6, he's not referring to their actions. He says it very specifically, doesn't he, in verse 45. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is the fruit? It's your words, right? In verse 45, do you see that? That a person who comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I receive, I receive what you have for me. I receive your gospel and I believe it. That person will have fruit. It will begin to transform their life, their circumstances. But on the inside, what do they have an abundance of? Faith. They have an abundance of faith on the inside. Right? Hebrews chapter 4 says that the Israelites did not get the promises of God because what they heard, they did not mix with their faith. Right? How does one produce a harvest? You receive the word of God with faith and you hold on to it with patient faith. Right? The harvest is a harvest of faith. And so the person who believes the Lord, who receives what God has for them, has an abundance of faith on the inside. They have an abundance of what God is doing. I mean, what does that sound like? It sounds like, man, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. Let me tell you how God's changing my life. What happens? You get excited. What happens when you're meditating on the Word of God day and night? What happens? That's what's coming out of your mouth. Right? If you're thinking about, you know, sports or, you know, whatever, all the time... Not that that's bad. Well, maybe all the time would be bad. Sports aren't bad. Sports, we like sports. But if you're thinking about that all the time, what's going to come out of your mouth? Sports. Going to think about cars all the time? Cars, right? If you're thinking about your problems all the time, what's going to come out of your mouth? Problems, right? But what happens when you're meditating, but God is for me. But God is my provider. And He's going to give me victory. What comes out of your mouth? Not just your problems. I'm not saying you're going to be fake. Oh, it's just happy. No, you might be like, yeah, I'm really struggling. But God, Right? Whatever you're meditating on, whatever you're sowing into your heart, whatever you're feeding on, whatever you have an abundance in your heart comes out of your mouth. So whatever you believe about God, whatever you believe about your circumstance, it's going to come out of your mouth, right? And what happens 
When you have an abundance of faith, what happens when you're a hundredfold? Or we could be thirtyfold for all that, you know? It's good. Might not be a hundredfold yet, but that's fine. You've got fruit on the inside of you. You are believing God. You're seeing God change your life. You're like, man, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. God loves me. What happens when God heals you emotionally or physically? What happens when, man, He came through for you? When you get a job when other people aren't getting a job. Anyone in this room? Yeah. Yeah. You get a job when other people aren't getting a job. Or how about healing? Like we've seen. Blind eye healed two weeks ago. And a ear that was all clogged up healed last week. And the doctor, a doctor said, it looks like you got new ears. What happens when that happens? That's called the fruit of our faith. That's a harvest of believing what God said in His Word. And what happens when you really believe it? It's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out of your mouth. What do you do with the abundance? You give it away. How do you give it away? You speak it out. You tell people. You gossip about God. You say, let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you what the Word says. You invite them to church. Come on, man. You've got to hear the Word. You get them into OSL. Operation Saul Lives. Man, you've got to get discipled. This changed my life. It's going to change your life. What do you do when you go to, to a great restaurant? Man, you gotta do, you gotta have that food. Just the other day, I mean, somebody who loves barbecue, man, yeah, you gotta go to Luis's or something like that. I was like, alright. Lou, oh, sorry, sorry. Thank you. No, thanks, cause I actually wanna go. Right. Lucille's. What do you do when you go to Lucille's? You tell everyone they need to go to Lucille's. What happens when you realize you're born again? Everyone else needs to be born again, right? It's not pushy. It's not pushy. You see a good movie, what do you say? Oh, that's a good one. You gotta see that one. Are you being pushy? No. It's our language. Man, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. Man, it's awesome. Right? And the Bible says that as parents, we're supposed to be teaching our kids all the time. Wake up. Wake up, go to sleep, walking, sitting in the house, on the street, in the car. It doesn't say in the car, but, you know, Deuteronomy 6, basically, right? Supposed to... Well, how do you... How does that happen? How's that happen? Are you just talking about God with your kids all the time? How's that happen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in there, it's going to come out. Right? I mean, hey, I'm not saying I do that all the time. But a lot of times, natural conversation about the Lord happens with my kids. Why? Because it's coming out of my mouth. I'm not trying to force conversations. Now listen, son, I'm going to preach to you now for an hour. No, I do that with adults. Because they need the Word, let me tell you. You need the Word. <laughs> you know, you need, we need to sow the Word into our hearts. But what do, I, what do I do with my kid? We bring up conversation. It happens. We talk about it. What, what, how, how would it happen more with my kid? Not, not, not religious. Not pushy. How would it happen more with my kid? More of the Word in me. Amen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, if you don't feel like you have something to give other people, if you don't feel like you have enough boldness to overcome some of the struggles that you might be having, like fear or something like that, that's all right, we all do. What do you need more of? More of the Word. You need more abundance in your heart to be convinced how good God is. It will come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, these Pharisees in this story, they were bad fruit. What was coming out of their mouth were words from the Bible without faith. In God. They could tell you the rules, but they couldn't tell you the heart of God. They were leading people astray. No, we need to be people who have freely received, freely give it away. Freely receive, freely give. And it needs to be in that order. 
We need to be people who freely receive first and then freely give. And by the way, it's a lifestyle. You don't like receive for a little while and then go, yeah, I did that discipleship stuff for a little while. Now I'm going to go give it away. You know what that's called? Burnout. This is what happens, right? We call it, we call it a light bulb ministry. Screw them up and burn them out. Oh no, I'm sorry, screw them in and burn them out. Sorry. Do you know, do you know why that happens in churches? Because people don't live a lifestyle of freely receive, freely give. They receive, and then they stop receiving, and they start giving. Pastors do this, and what happens? Burnout. They stop receiving. They stop, re- they stop realizing what? I am a disciple of Jesus, and I have to keep receiving from Jesus. That I can't give anything unless I receive it. Right? He's the vine, I'm the branch. If I abide in Him and He in me, I will bear much fruit. For apart from Him, I can do nothing. You stop abiding in Jesus, you stop receiving, you stop hearing the Word of God coming into your heart, it will dry up, you will not have something to give, you'll be giving out of, right? you'll be given out of like the dregs or something like that, right? People will stop liking what you're giving and you will burn out. But what happens so often also in churches, people receive but they don't give. And what happens is because they're not meditating the Word of God, right, we said, man, the work of a disciple is after the service. <laughs> During the week where we're gathering in communities and building each other up all the time, listening to the Word of God, meditating the Word of God, spending time in the Word and prayer because that's when I'm getting that flow happening in my life where I'm multiplying and increasing strength on the inside by the Word coming out of my mouth and going back into my heart. But what happens also, by people who receive the Word of God but don't give it away, we shut down the flow also in the church. Another reason why people don't, or people burn out in the church, because not everyone's giving. You got some giving, and some receiving. But what happens if you had a church who is a community of fully devoted followers of Christ? Is that what we call ourselves? Now who we are? We're a community, a gathered people, a family that have come together to say we're going to follow Jesus, fully devoted to Him. What does that mean? What does that mean? We're fully devoted. Don't ask what He can do for you, just ask what you can do for Him. No, that's ridiculous. You can't do anything for God unless He receive. Freely you have received, freely give. What does that mean? A fully devoted follower is one who is living a lifestyle of, Jesus, love me, heal me, bless me. I need a job, dang it. And then give it away. Amen? Whatever you have received, give it away. Whatever you're believing God for, help other people to believe God for. You're like, I haven't seen the fruit yet. Whatever. Get over yourself. You probably got like a pe- an apple. Share it, you know. When you share it, it will sow into the ground and produce more in you. Right? Because if you, what you sow, you reap. Look, look, look at Galatians chapter 6. Okay, you don't have to. It'll pop up on the screen there, but hopefully. Um, they're, they're amazing back there, but I mess with them. So, Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This is what we've been talking about all summer. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. You keep seeking the Lord. You keep believing Him. You keep sowing. But what does He say specifically? Do not grow weary while doing good. He's talking about your ministry. He's talking about what God has called you to do. He's talking about your kids or your 
calling. He's talking about your workplace. He's talking about serving people in word and in deed. We're a show and tell people, aren't we? We go tell them how good he is and we go show them and we serve them with power, the power of the gospel, with acts of love and acts of service and acts of justice. And he says, therefore, in verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you see that the way we sow is by giving it away. What you have received, you give. You notice that it says freely you have received, freely give. You know what freely means? I love this. The word freely literally means without a just cause. Without a just cause. Means that there is no reason why I should do this for you. There's, I'm not obligated to do this for you. That's what Jesus did for us, isn't it? God is just and the justifier of those who put their faith in Jesus. Meaning that Jesus paid the price. He died our death so that God could forgive our sins. What God gives to us is always free. Oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I've sinned so much. Freely you have received. Freely you have received. You know what shuts down receiving more than anything else? Shame and condemnation and a feeling and a thought, I'm not worthy. You know what you're telling God? That my sin is bigger than your grace. That's what he means when he says freely. He means by grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. He died. He paid the price so that you could receive all of his blessings and all of his promises free. And Jesus is saying, you received it by free. You received it freely. I I didn't make you pay for it. I didn't make you earn it. He didn't say to Levi the tax collector, who was one of the twelve disciples who heard this. He didn't say, no, stop sinning. No, he said, follow me. Come here, follow me. A tax collector. Everyone didn't like him. Living for himself. Living covetedness and greed. He said, come here, follow me. What did Levi do? It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Jesus invited him to be his follower. Levi left it all. What about Peter? Think about Peter here for a second. Didn't he freely receive? Remember he was a fisherman, not doing so good? Jesus said, cast your nets out over in this side of the boat. And he caught a huge harvest of fish the nets were going to break he had to call his friends over right didn't peter say right after that i'm so i'm a sinner lord i'm a sinner there's something going on in his heart right he may not have even been living for the lord but something was going on inside of his heart and yet jesus did what for him he didn't say now if you go ahead and be my disciple now and follow me i'll go ahead and give you a great catch of fish i'll make you a great businessman no he comes to him in whatever state Peter's in, with not doing so good as a fisherman, and he just brings, and he brings in, miraculously, Jesus brings in miraculously, a huge harvest of fish, which is a lot of money for a fisherman, right? So he takes Peter from struggling, to all of a sudden, bam, right? Abundance. And then he says to him, follow me. Right? What did he do, what did he do first? Blessed him first. Right? What did he say to the woman who was caught in adultery? I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. What came first? Forgiveness. What did he say to the man who was paralyzed? Your sins are forgiven. Oh, he can't forgive sins, the Pharisee said. Oh, let me show you. Rise and walk. And he healed him. Healing demonstrated forgiveness, right? Healing demonstrated, I have the authority to forgive. What did Jesus always give first? He gave grace first. He never required anything. He never said, you need to repent first or anything. No. He said, repent for the kingdom of God has come. Let me show you. Be healed. Now repent. 
The Word of God comes to us to show us what God wants to do in our life. Hey, I want to bless you. The Word comes as a seed. And He says, now repent, for the kingdom of God has come, right? He always gives grace first. Freely you have received, without a just cause. God's under no obligation to do anything for us, but because He loves us. Jesus died so that we could receive all this stuff by grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And then He says, now you go be the same way. Don't do it for covenants and greed. Don't ask people to do anything. And don't do it with expectation that anyone's going to give you anything back. But also, be a people of grace. He says, go. Freely give. Freely give. Remember? Remember how I healed you when you were still a sinner? Go do the same thing. Remember when I invited you to be a disciple when you were still a sinner? You do the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? The church, too often, we're judges. The Bible says, be salt and light. You know what salt does? It pushes back decay. You know what light does? It pushes back darkness. Right? You know, how that word, you know what that is, right? That's a metaphor of grace. Grace. You know how we can see our nation transform, families transform by going and giving, being grace. Let me show you how much God loves you. Let me give you freely what God has given me. But see, if you have sense of unworthiness, shuts you down from receiving, it's going to shut you down from giving it away too. You see that, right? Let's end with this. Go to, go to Acts 3. Acts chapter 3. Peter, blessed, called. And then didn't he sin against the Lord, right? Didn't he deny Jesus three times, right? We always quote Peter, blew it, didn't he? But what did he receive from the Lord? He received restoration, didn't he? Isn't it Peter that denied the Lord and Peter that was forgiven and restored? And still, okay, wait a minute. Peter was called to be the leader of Jesus' church, one of the primary apostles in the early church. He denies Jesus. Jesus restores him and makes sure you're not going to be that leader anymore, right? Is that what happened? No. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. So what happened to Peter? Called to be a leader. Failed God. Restored. Leader. Freely you have received. Freely give. That's complete restoration, right? Complete forgiveness. Complete restoration. He preaches the gospel. sees 3,000 people come to the Lord. Because he was called to catch men. Nets full of men. Acts chapter 3. He's walking with John. He sees a, a, a cripple. Someone who'd never walked. And um, a lame man from his mother's womb. The man asks for some money. And Peter says, look at me in verse 6. He says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And what happened? Power, power from God went out and healed that man. And he took him by that right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Right? Strength. The impossible was done. And how did that happen? Peter says it right down here. Verse 12. So when Peter saw it, uh, people were running to them. He responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us? Like, why are you looking at me? As though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. 
But you denied the holy and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life who raised him from the dead, uh, of which we are witnesses. He's, he's talking about Jesus' death. He's preaching the, the gospel to them, right? He's telling them what happened. And then in verse 16, he tells you how this man was healed. He says, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What happened? Out of the abundance of his heart, he spoke. Yes? Peter has received. He's received forgiveness. He's been born again. Just a few days before, he'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in a spiritual language with the other disciples, filled with the power of Spirit, preaching an anointed message. All these people come to Jesus. He's healing people. I mean, Peter is now being Jesus to other people, right? I mean, Christ through Peter. Is it Peter's power? Is it Peter's strength? Is it Peter's righteousness? No, it's Christ in him, right? And so he says, well, you know, this guy was healed because God was in a good mood today. Because it was God's timing. He doesn't say that. He says, in his name. In his name. What did he do in his name? What I have, I give to you. Do you realize he had something to give? He had fruit. He had abundance. He had faith. And he said, man, I got something to give you. Rise and walk. And then they go, man, how'd you, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? How'd you make power go into his body? I didn't do that. I didn't make the power go into his body. But he tells you what he did do. In his name, he spoke out the name of Jesus, didn't he? In the name of Jesus, as a representative of heaven, I want to give you something that's been given to me. Freely, I've received this fruit that came from heaven. This, this God's, God's kingdom has come inside me. I want to give you some of the kingdom right now. He says, rise up and walk. Power goes into this man's body. And he says it was his name, but not just his name. Do you see that? His name and faith in his name. And you can walk around saying, Jesus, Jesus. People doing it all the time, right? Like when someone cuts them off on the freeway. People saying the name of Jesus all the time. No, and they're taking the Lord's name in vain, obviously, but... No, in his name and through faith in his name. How did that power get released? Yes, it was God's power. It was Jesus' healing power and Jesus' righteousness. But who released it? Peter opened his mouth and with faith, in abundance of faith, spoke and he released something to that man. He had and he gave it. Right? How do we get Christians to give away the kingdom? How do we get disciples of Jesus to go give it away? To break through that barrier of fear that we all struggle with? Man, I'm telling you, you just flood their hearts with the Word of God. You're struggling, you flood your heart with the Word of God. But also, don't be a, don't be a swamp, right? You got water coming in, start receiving from the Lord more. In fact, even if you are a swamp, you know a swamp, right? It doesn't have an inlet or an outlet, right? Just stagnant, dead. But you know, I was thinking about this. Even if you just opened one side of the swamp and started flooding it with water, sooner or later it's going to overflow. You know, that's what the word abundance means. It means overflowing. Abundance. Leftovers, right? So, man, if you just start receiving from the Lord, sooner or later it's going to come out of your mouth. That's what it means, right? My cup runs over. God's blessing me so much, it's going to come out of my mouth. I'm going to, I have to praise Him. If you're meditating the Word, man, i got to praise Him. i got to tell people. It's going to come out of your mouth naturally. But I'm telling you also... The great way to, faster way to get a swamp from not being a swamp 
Open one end, receive. Open the other end, let it out, right? How do you create the flow of life in you? Receive, give. Receive, give. And you create this lifestyle of freely receive, freely give. If we would flood our hearts with the Word of God, it would cause Christians to rise up and just give it away. How do you get a person to become affectionate? You withhold affection, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Christians are selfish. Christians are selfish. And you just stop being selfish. What are you talking about? Well, probably, be, maybe we're selfish because we haven't understood the gospel yet. Maybe because we're not living in abundance. You know, Jesus didn't say, you stop worrying about your money and just stop being selfish. What did he say? Hey, stop worrying. Dad's got it covered. So because he's got it covered and God's your provider, you just seek first the kingdom. What is he saying? Man, freely receive. Dad's got it covered. So now you worry about seeking first the kingdom. You, you worry about giving it away. Do you see what happens when you believe God for your finances? What happens? You stop worrying about you and you have time to think about others. What happens when you start building up your faith and you have an abundance of faith for your life? Faith always produces love. Galatians chapter 5. Faith produces love. If it's not producing love, it ain't faith. You know what I'm saying? We know some churches like that. <laughs> we know some preachers like that. My goodness. We were flipping through the channels last night and some preachers came on the TV talking something and we, Michelle and I were like, well, that, ain't, that ain't right. I don't know what's coming out of his mouth, but you can tell by the abundance of his heart, man. Some, something's wrong. And then about two minutes into it, and send me money. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Ah, oh, gee, no wonder, man. That guy doesn't believe what he's saying. He's trying to get money. So we know there's people like that, right? But we're not like that. We believe it. We've received it. How do you get a kid to become affectionate? You give him lots of hugs. How do you get a kid to be giving? Lavish them and teach them to give. I mean, you know, we can. you give a kid toys and they can cre- be spoiled. But if you lavish a child and then direct it the way it's supposed to go, freely receive, freely give, will produce a generation that does that. Amen? Amen? Let's, um... Kurt, come on up. Let's go ahead and stand. And let's respond to the Lord here. Just take a few minutes. I'm telling you, this is what we're learning as a church. Oh, this is awesome. Let me tell you something. I can't... Maybe next week we'll tell some stories. Oh, i got so many stories. I, I've watched Kurt even. Y- years ago, the dominant thing coming out of our mouths that I heard a lot of people say was, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not called to do evangelism. It's just not like my calling. I would hear people talk like that. I'd hear people, you know, just, we were just, oh, we don't know, we don't know what to do. I mean, I've watched people like Kurt go from not having confidence, to all of a sudden, man, dude, he's walking around getting people healed all over the place. Like last week he had like 10 words of knowledge and he was like, I don't know, Dave, I don't know if like, was that too much? My goodness, abundance, you know, like God wants to do stuff, right? Amen? I've watched other people where, I'm telling you, a couple years ago, I'm t- they, were, they were scared and now they talk, man, I'm t- they talk different. They're like, man, we got to love people. We got to reach out to them. They're talking different. It's crazy. That's what's happening in this church. I was just talking to somebody the other day who they, uh, they, they were in discipleship and God's teaching them all this stuff. They're like, man, I didn't even know all this stuff from the Lord, right? They're learning all this new stuff. And then the other day, they're praying with somebody. Prayed for one guy to get healed. Another person prayed for like a, a relative of theirs to get a job. And right after that, the guy got a job. Called him up. Said, man, I got a job. You prayed for me. The guy knew. The, the, okay. 
Guy in our church, pray for this guy, gets a job. This guy who got a job, he wasn't living for the Lord. He knew it. This guy in our church, I'll, I'll have him share the story. This guy in the church prayed for him to get a job. He gets blessed. He knew it was the blessing of God. Man, man, I, I'm not living for God, but God just answered your prayer. Do you see what I'm saying? That's being an agent of grace. That's giving it away. That, that's what the Lord is doing in our church. And, and, and I want to end with this. Uh, really. How is it that every need could be met in the church? How is it that you could come to church here and your need would be met? How is it that throughout the week you're struggling but your need gets met? How, how could that happen? Do you know how that happens? It happens if we would all receive from the Lord and then give it away. Well, isn't that what the gifts of the Spirit are about? If, if everyone came to church, not just ready to hear God and, and be changed themselves, but ready, Lord, do you have a word for, for me to give to someone? Do, do you have something for me? Do you want me to pray for someone? Do you realize if everyone came, do you know our Jesus is the leader of the church? He, by the Spirit, could tell every person what every person should give to someone else. Do you realize that? Do you realize that's how the financial blessing happened in the book of Acts? Everyone had need. Our people had need, and the people who had, they gave to the people in need. How did it work? It wasn't just like some communist thing. They heard God, and they gave it away. They received blessing. They heard, Lord, what do you want me to do? And they gave it away. That's how every need could be met. And I believe the Lord spoke to me in worship today, and He said, I want every need to be met today. That's the will of God. He doesn't want, want someone to walk out of here still struggling or still hurting or without a word from Him or without healing. Man, we've been seeing God do some awesome stuff. He doesn't want people to walk out of here not having their needs. Here, take